Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio. Today's guest, wow, I am so excited about this. Um, Alex Minicucci from Spenspart Networks. Uh, you're currently in New York, right, Alex? Uh, yes, I am, Mark. I've been here all week. But you're based in San Luis Obispo. I am. You know, uh, the, the company is headquartered in beautiful San Luis Obispo, but uh, we've got a few of our board of directors out in uh, New York as well, some of our financiers. So it gives me an opportunity to come visit the, the big city once in a while. I, I, I love um, I mean, I love having clients here in the region. I also love the excuse to get on the plane and go to New York City, the capital of the world. You know, I'm, I, I love to eat, so it certainly doesn't uh, doesn't hurt. Plenty of great food over here, and um, it's also been a great opportunity to get uh, some of the uh, the world's largest uh, financial eyeballs on our beautiful little city, San Luis Obispo. So we've uh, we've been talking about how we can attract uh, more venture capital, more private financing. Um, and resources like that to uh, what, what's generally a pretty unknown part of the country, San Luis Obispo County, um, down there in um, you know the, the Tri Counties area. So, so that's interesting, Alex. So, so you there on as as much on a mission for the region as you are for SpendSmart? You know, I, I would say definitely yes. Uh, you know, with my my background and general involvement in entrepreneurship on the Central Coast. Uh, having been a serial entrepreneur my whole life, uh, understanding how challenging it is to get resources as you're trying to grow business, particularly that next year. We, the Central Coast has really invested in accelerator and startup programs. Yeah. But once you get to the 20, 30, 40 employee level, um, you need access to real money, uh, real talent, and, and some heavy hitters. And, um, and so part of my goal, uh, I guess more on a philanthropic side, is to uh, generate some awareness and uh, get some East Coast talent and money uh, thinking about investments on Central Coast as well. So that's, that's really interesting, and thank you on behalf of everybody who's looking for money in the region. Thank you. Uh, uh, I'm curious, how do, you, how do you pitch the region? Well, I, I usually start out by, by comparing gently to you know LA or uh, Silicon Valley but I like to refer to our little region as you know highly specialized a great talent pool and really an entrepreneurial mecca where we've got a lot of people really out of necessity starting their own businesses with a very entrepreneurial mindset and uh, so you combine the talent with that uh, fire in your belly for entrepreneurism uh, with a lot of support particularly in the last five to ten years who's the hot house uh, Cal Poly, the city of San Luis Obispo. Um, there's been a, a, so much support uh, on, on entrepreneurism that uh, that's really the great foundation for building a successful business. So I, I usually start there and just say there's there's great opportunity that's relatively untapped and with the right resources, uh, you know, there's there's endless potential in our little marketplace to to grow real businesses, uh, particularly in the tech sector. There is a. Uh there's really a growing nexus that's happening up there in the north part of the 805. And as a result of the 805 Connect project, you know, my, my attention clearly encompasses that part of the region. 
when you say entrepreneurial mecca, I think of this place that draws people to it. But I, I also get a sense that slow is a, around kind of homegrown. People come to Cal Poly and then they tend to stay there and grow their business. Is it is it more of that homegrown and stay and they love the lifestyle and they want to build it? Or are you actually starting to see people come to that part of the of the region for whatever um, benefits there are? You know, that, that's a great point, Mark. Uh, probably more of the former. Uh, people that are attracted to the area either for school, uh, through, uh, you know, Cowboys grade school, yeah. uh, or the lifestyle. And, yeah. and then from there, uh, basically out of necessity, need to create their, their own business or their own job. I mean, there's, there just aren't a lot of uh, high-level jobs there. And so, um, you know, out of necessity or just inventiveness, uh, people come up with solutions to problems or uh, new lifestyle opportunities, and uh, and basically are creating creating their own jobs. Um, so def- definitely, definitely, I see a lot of that uh, where people come to the area, not necessarily thinking about um, starting a business, uh, but get here, uh, want to stay here, and um, understand that that's that's usually the, the only way they really can can stay in the lifestyle lifestyle that they want to live. You kind of have to figure it out, right? Yeah, yep. You kind of have to figure out. How, everybody wants to be there. We want, I, I, I know very few people that have, have lived in the 805 and, and left uh, willingly. And so it's just a matter of uh, putting the pieces together to create the lifestyle that you want. Let me uh, just a, a sidebar to that when you said left willingly. Um, your company that you, one of the companies you started, but SMS Masterminds, was acquired by Spend Smart. And one of the things that we we see often with acquisition of companies here in the region is they they move out you know they they love the talent but then you know they move to where there's less expensive manufacturing or housing or greater access to talent um, yet I get a sense that you're you're a lifer and you guys are gonna stay here in the region w- what was that conversation like uh, you know it was an interesting one uh, particularly because it was with you know a handful of New Yorkers that, that were running uh, Spencemark. Uh, and um, they never heard of the area. They <laughs> they didn't inherently know why it was a great region to do business in. Um, my first argument was you're attracted to us for this reason. Um, we've we built this business. We've gotten this far uh, with the talent and environment that exists around us. And why change something that's working so well? Um, the second was is I, I'm not moving. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want me, you're here. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I've, I've, uh, I, I spent some time living in the Bay area, but I was born and raised in San Luis Obispo. Um, love the area. This is where I want to raise my kids. And so, uh, and I know a lot of our staff feels the same way. And I'm, I'm very, very much immersed in the culture of, of the, the 805 and, um, very loyal to our staff. And so we, um, we just said, look, this is working. This is working well. If we can prove the, the economics of it, right. um, then it makes sense for us that we can, in fact, uh, you know, turn the, the right numbers, grow at the right pace, um, and find the right talent as we continue to grow, which is usually the biggest challenge, uh, then, you know, why not stay here? And they, they supported us 100%. So let's go back to support. You were talking about one of the the key ingredients to why San Luis is, is doing so well is the support. There's a, a great combination of support of the city and the chamber partners like the EBC, um, who's a partner with 805 Connect, 
and the college, and then the college, the, all of that kind of combines into the hothouse. And you said also that it was out of necessity that people figure it out. One of the things I noticed is that because San Luis is so isolated up there, everybody feels very self-sufficient, self-reliant, and they have been able to kind of make it happen. Do you think there's a, a model there that other communities could be looking at? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm hearing more and more about that as I, as I travel the country. I'm fortunate enough to I get to travel a lot. And, um, you know, the ecosystem that we're building in San Luis Obispo, it starts to become a, a model for, for other markets of a comparable size. Uh, when I formed my first business 15, 16 years ago, when I think about, I mean, there really weren't many resources. You just joined a networking group. Right, and um, right. and I still have some of those relationships today from uh, my original networking group days, and it was it was really the chamber of commerce was the backbone of, of yep. all small business back then. Um, I have a great relationship with uh, Mike Manchek over at the EBC, uh, John York at the Hot House. Yeah, um, I mean these uh, these guys are doing um, great work to help pull together the resources and uh, create an environment that's really encouraging for entrepreneurship, and and that's where where it gets really challenging is, is that, that mindset of, yes, I can actually pull this off. I think it's probably the biggest challenge for an entrepreneur. And once you see that little bit of collaboration, a little bit of support, that's oftentimes that nudge that you needed in order to take the leap and go down that path of entrepreneurship. So um, it's really exciting to see the, the collaborative environment. I used to tell people, and, and I still do, when we fly our New Yorkers in town or people from around the country, um, I drive them around San Luis Obispo, and I point to these nondescript buildings, mm-hmm. um, sometimes hidden behind a tree or down off Buckley Road, and I say, that's a great company, and that's a great company, and that's a great company. And you would just really never know it. Right. And it was even more so 10 or 15 years ago, these, these hidden gems. Um, so people just quietly have their building and make their money and live their lifestyle. Um, but there's really a ton of interesting activity going on behind these nondescript walls. And uh, and I think bringing a little more of that to light um, helps attract the talent that we need in the marketplace in order for us to grow, helps attract the money that we need to help us grow. So I think uh, so. some of these, uh, these community leaders that are creating more visibility around that um, is encouraging people to take that step. Well, that's clearly what 805 Connect is all about. It's, it's exactly that. Um, shining a light on the region, you know, showing off the gems. It's a result of, you know, the first year of 805 Connect was kind of understanding, for me to understand the landscape, you know, the public sector, the private sector, the educational sector, kind of in in broad strokes who was doing what, because there really hadn't been that kind of work done. And now in uh, coming on to the end of our second year, going into the beginning of our third year, with the podcast being this catalyst for conversation, we're now you know going into our 50th episode and having conversations with interesting guys like yourself who are, like you said, they're, they're kind of off the radar locally. I mean, you know, someone knows someone who knows someone who can point to the building behind the tree, right? And say, there's really cool exactly people right. doing stuff. And they have a global reach. I mean, let's look at the, you know, the large public companies you know, look at Mind Body. There's a, a good example. You guys, a good example. Um, there's there's more and more and more. And the more that we can help uh, promote that 
and promote the region because you know when you start thinking about the whole ecosystem it's a it's about building and nurturing a trained workforce so having great relationships with the schools having schools have a great relationship with business having the public sector have a great relationship i mean all of it when it all works together it just you know the gears are working and there is absolutely um, just in the last 18 months a renewed sense of momentum that's um, that's spectacular so let's let's move off of that for a little bit I want I want to talk about mobile um, I'm really interested in how everything when you speak about technology if it doesn't if your solution doesn't start with integrated mobile responsive you know uh, approach to how you deliver your services then you're just you know, you're just not a player. Why don't, why don't you? I want to hear your spin on mobile and how important that is to commerce these days. Yeah, you know, it's it's a fascinating time for the transition from where even five to eight years ago, when we were static, sitting in front of a computer, um, I'll check my email tonight when I get home, uh, to the very uh, very transit-oriented lifestyle that we have now. Um, I think the recent stat I saw is the average American looks at their phone 150 times per day. Well, I thought you were going to say um, per hour. That's <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and right. now, you know, we're going to put put it on our wrist so we can look at it even more. Exactly. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's really compelling. And, and, you know, there's there's a philosophical side of how this is impacting our lives. Um, I know that, you know, I can be uh, uh, doing business during the day, um, traveling around, and I don't come home to three hours of email catch-up anymore. Right. Um, because I can prioritize, I can instantly respond to certain things, I can forward things and delegate. Um, so I, I think there's a, a lot of positives there. But the, the the important takeaway from all of it is that is that mobile mobile's here. Consumers have a an entirely different expectation of how and when they're going to get information and how and when they can conduct transactions. Right. And you can either be a forward-looking company and say, I want to accommodate the wishes or desires of my customer base, um, or I'm going to do things the way I've been doing them. And we're going to see how long that lasts. Not, um, not very it, long. It's not a doomsday. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not a doomsday tale. I mean, your pizza shop's not going to go out of business tomorrow if you don't take app away. Um, but but it, there's only so much time. The clock is certainly ticking. And consumers are going to drive that that demand. And when we talk about mobile marketing in particular, See, you know, everybody has a different penchant for how they want to be communicated with. Uh, right. For example, uh, I I rarely answer my phone. Um, when you call my phone and you hear the voicemail, the voicemail says, "Don't leave me a voicemail. I won't listen to it. <laughs> if you want me, send me a text or send me an email." Right. Right. <laughs> and that just works better for me. Yep. Um, I call my father, and my father would say, "Quit texting me. You just pick up the phone and call." <laughs> and so everybody has old school a different a different way they want to be communicated with, and is. As marketers, you know, we need to try to understand that it's it's really multi-channel now, and to try to understand how our commun- our our customers want to be communicated with, and then adapt to that. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it, it it is everybody wants their information on the go now. Do you think that the um, I think the awareness of the digital native, you know, we look, this company I'm working with in New York of 12,000 employees, 75 percent are under the age of 30. And I'll call them digital natives, and they they live and die by the phone. You know, don't I don't even think of doing email with those folks. 
do you think that the um, that the landscape has actually changed faster than you just said? Um, that it's it, and and it is accelerating even faster. It, it is definitely accelerating. It is definitely accelerating. You know, I, I always, I, I've always taken an approach to digital, where I have a, a a certain amount of reverence towards the past. The newspapers still exist, you know. And I, I've been in the web development business my whole life. Yes. And I remember we, you know, 15 years ago saying newspapers are growing the way of the dodo. You know, they're gone in five years. They're not. They're not gone. They're not going to be gone. Um, I mean, it's going to be 20 years before newspapers stop getting thrown on, on doorsteps. So I think to be business minded, you have to have a certain amount of respect for the infrastructure that's in place um, and an understanding of, of the, the evolution of the markets and the segmentation of the markets. So certainly the 30 year olds and under. Yeah, they don't even email anymore. They, they, right. they text right. or Snapchat or whatever, everything. Right. Um, but, you know, there are other segments of the market that don't. And it turns on, on which ones that you're serving. So I always like to keep an eye on traditional media and uh, in that, that crossover. It's, it's definitely accelerating. Uh, but I wouldn't be too quick to cannibalize the past. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think radio made a really good transition now, uh, it's very easy to stream radio. Um, they've every they all figured that out. Podcasting has been uh, has proven to be an effective way to communicate. Uh, we just just think of all of those various methods. Tell tell me more about Spend Smart and what is it that you guys do exactly? Well, our goal is is to deliver primarily text messaging to help small business merchants communicate with their consumers. Huh. Um, so kind of, you know, as we, as we talked about with, with, uh, you know, texting being really one of the most dominant means of communication these days, uh, the short, quick text message that either updates a consumer on a new menu item, a special offer, uh, this band is playing tonight. Um, our chef came up with something great, whatever. Uh, I've not, I've not gotten know, that we, one yet. I, I like that. that communication. I love that idea, Chef saying, "Hey, the soup tonight is." I've not, I've not gotten that text message yet. <laughs> you know what's funny is, is when we start talking about our model, most people instantly go towards couponing or discounting. Hmm. And as a general business practice, I mean, our, our goal is to help merchants make more money, ideally more profit per transaction. Right. Uh, and so it, it's not always about discounting. There, there are actually a lot of people out there that will pay more money for good service, um, or just, just want a relationship with the businesses that, that, that they work with. And you see that, and I guess that, that may be a derivative of my relationship with my community um, and how you know I, I, I know the people that I, I, I do business with in town. And you want to feel special when right. you walk into a restaurant right. or, or that shoe store or wherever you're going downtown and, uh, to buy something. And we as marketers try to replicate that, that personalized experience and help merchants who can't remember a thousand customer names, but our system can. And right. our system can remember when they were last in and when they last bought. And so it's not always just about, about flopping a discount out there. That's, there's a lot of other websites and technologies that do that. But to really create a personalized relationship between that business and that consumer in the way two consumers would, which is texting each other. So if I say, uh, hey, Mark, you know, uh, what are you doing for lunch? I'm going to go grab a bite of pizza. 
uh, why wouldn't your your favorite pizza place say, hey, Alex, what are you doing for lunch? Come buy for a bite of pizza. And um, so trying to replicate that, that experience uh, primarily with text messaging. So how does, uh, so I'm thinking of the small businesses that are listening to this show right now. We've got, you know, we've got lots here in the region and, and actually throughout the United States and in fact the world. How does it actually work? So I'm, you know, I, let's stay with your pizza business. I've got a small business. How did, ex- tell me exactly what they do to work with you guys and how that plays out. Okay. Well, there's, there are a few cornerstones to our model that are unique. Okay. Um, when we started testing this model in 2009 in San Luis Obispo, we realized that small business merchants, one, are, are usually not marketers, <laughs> um, two, are usually very, very busy just trying to keep their business going. Right. Uh, ordering supplies, making sure employees show up, all those types of things. So we developed a full service model where we will actually come into the location and set up, install, and administer our program entirely on behalf of that small business merchant. Okay. So they don't have to touch or do anything. They give us a little bit of insight into their business. Um, we develop a, a strategy based on their goals. Uh, what do they want to sell more of? What, what are the high margin items? Um, and we've got data, propensity modeling, that we've built uh, over the last few What years, kind of modeling? Uh, Sorry, Alex? Our, what kind of modeling? Um, we refer to this as propen- propensity modeling. So okay, we, so we place we, something we here take, called buzzword bingo. And when I hear a word <laughs> that I don't understand... Chances are my listener doesn't understand it either. So I got to stop you there. What the heck is propensity marketing? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so that's where we, we try to determine the, the propensity for a consumer to want to take action. And we model that from, from actual redemption data that we get from our, our merchants and consumers around the country. Ah. So we can say, what is your likelihood or propensity to respond to XYZ offer? Oh. And and as we so we're at about four thousand merchants and five million consumers that are in our system right now. So we can I can tell you the best day of week to send out an offer for a car wash is Wednesday. Um, I can tell you that um, that if you're a liquor store, you want to send out a, a discounted priced item as opposed to a twenty percent off coupon. You'll get a three times better response. No so kidding. We take all this data. Oh yeah, we've we've got it. We've got it. We've actually analyzed it by our top ten verticals. We can tell you time of day, day of week, how long to leave the expiration. So for the car wash that you send an offer on Wednesday, you want to make it expire on Saturday. It gets the best response. You expire it on Thursday too soon, Monday too long. People forget about it, and so there are these all these intervals and data points that we collect. And so we refer to that as our propensity model. We, you know, your propensity to respond or, or activate with our system. Got it. So that so um, I'm going to go back up to where you said you were full service. Um, I learned a long time ago: never ask your client to do any work. So you're living that. <laughs> exactly. We knew that the third one of the third points of the system was that it needs to be operated. Um, it's it's marketing. Marketing has uh, it's half science, half art. And um, and so we asked a local pizza shop guy to say, hey, you know what? Um, all you have to do is log into our system once a week and click the button, send some messages out. And what we thought was nobody would do it. Mm. Um, can't blame them. I mean, they've, they're busy. They're trying to keep everything they've been doing for the last 20 years working. So 
So we built a full-service model, understanding that a certain segment of the market would pay us to come in and, and pay us more to come in and do it for them. And I, I use that analogy like uh, you can either buy a lawnmower and cut your own lawn or hire a gardener. And, um, you know, there is a market for both. And there is no gardener of our space. There is no full-service mm. guy who's just going to charge a little more, just come and get it done, and you come home and your lawn looks great. And so uh, the challenge for us was building a model where we could put people in market um, that were trained and specialized to all this. So what we did is we built a, a, a licensee model where we will sell an exclusive license to our technology for a specific market to an individual, put them through an eight-week training program mm. that we've developed mm. that makes them basically a mobile marketing expert. And now that person will actually go and sell, install, and manage these campaigns on behalf of the small business merchants in that market. So how many of those guys do you have? We, coast-to-coast uh, coast United States, have about 250 now. Wow. Wow, that's a big business. And that, that that's generating, is most of your business done through those guys or directly through you? Um, right now, most of our business is done through the licensing network. I like that. What um, with I'm, I'm gonna find out quickly. I'm a data geek, so I love I love all of that and what you can do with it. What are the stats that you tell a prospective client on how much mobile marketing will boost their top line revenue, based on your experience? <clears throat> well, you know the the general averages right now is that we can usually give a return on investment about five to six times what they're spending with us. Um, so that, that usually works out pretty well. They spend our average merchant right now is spending about $300 a month with us. And making, well, that's not, that's you know, hardly 15, anything. Yeah. It, you know, we've managed to keep the price pretty low in spite of the full service program. You're kidding. Uh, $300 a month. I yeah. mean, what, okay. So, okay. Now you, you, you just got my attention, Alex. Uh, how, <laughs> okay. So if we looked at a comparative spend on Facebook ads or Google AdSense or, um, you know, I, I can't even get a newspaper ad for 300 bucks. How would you stay, if you had to do comparative studies between, you know, other ways of marketing? You know, uh, I mean, our, our, our system has, has beat everything else out there hands down. Uh, wow. and, and for a variety of reasons. Um, one aside from the actual redemptions and dollars that can be tracked because of the offer sent out, um, we get, we, we basically are a customer CRM tool. You know, we, we help that merchant collect information on the customers and get permission to market to those customers. So part of our, our system, and I have a chance to get, uh, get into this yet is we, we start out with a loyalty program installed near the point of sale for every merchant. Okay. So we've got a, a little tablet. We've got a couple of different sizes, seven, seven inch, ten inch, um, that we put near the point of sale, and the consumer simply enters their phone number every time they visit. Uh, you probably do this when you go to the grocery store. Sure. The, the club price, right? You enter your phone number every time. So we refer to that as a check-in. So you, uh, you're, you know, you're you're going to your favorite pizza shop every time you visit. You put in your phone number, ten check-ins, and you a free pizza. You know, pretty simple. You know, loyalty programs are sure. are very commodity. There's a lot of them out there. There aren't a lot of digital good versions of it, but pretty simple. 
But now we've got your information and your history with that business and your history with other businesses. So we track you know, what you're doing around town. So we know whether you eat pizza three times a week or once every two months. And that influences what kind of messaging you're going to get and how often you're going to get it. So, so first and foremost, now after our system's been installed for a couple months, I can go to that business owner and say, Mr. Business Owner, you know, we've got 1,000 people that have opted into your loyalty program and have given us permission to market to their mobile phone. And here are the frequency and habits of all those people. Mm-hmm. And that right there is worth 300 bucks a month. Sure. And uh, so now these business owners are taking control, particularly the local business owners, because there's only so much of an ecosystem, right? right a sphere of influence. Right. You only right. care about the people who live five miles around your pizza shop, right? right. So eventually, most of these people have, have come in. Um, they've opted into the system, and now we're remarketing to them. And then as marketers, you know, remarketing tends to be much more cost-effective. Uh, these people that are already familiar and interested in your business, and, and so now we just want to ask for their business back. Um, so that's really the cornerstone of our system is a loyalty program with the opt-in. But from there, we can send a text out with an offer and track immediately you know, that night how many people re- redeemed it. And, so they get uh, so they get a great, great statistics. right, and there's a there's, you know, that call to action and conversion rates, and you know, we talk to our web guys, and you know, it's all about tracking those stats. But back to your point of people don't do the work. I was like, I don't even go and look at those pages. I don't look at any of that information. So I'm curious, do you use the same mobile marketing? technique, if you will, or strategy to market back to the clients to give them information, knowing that, okay, here, this, I mean, do you, do you reach them that way? Is that, is that how it works? Well, what we do is, you know, we, we, we cross-reference and we actually have a patent pending on on some of this technology, but we cross-reference our, our national propensity modeling. So we, you know, by vertical. So we say, all right, here's a car wash. We know that the, uh, the best day of week is Wednesday. We know the best expiration date is three days. Uh, best time to send is three in the afternoon. Best offer to send is X, Y, Z. And um, and then we, we cross-reference that with the individual customer behavior. So we know if you came in that Tuesday, you probably don't need a car wash, so we're going to wait a little bit and combine oh. that data model with your personal habits, how often you come in, what your history has been like, when we were last in and so then our system will determine the right messaging in a personalized way just for you. And it may wait a week or two and say, Mark, you know, it's in 10 days. Your car's probably looking a little dirty, buddy. Uh, you know, here's two bucks if you come in today, two bucks off or something like that. Um, so, you know, we can we can specialize offers that cross-reference our, our national database combined with the individual customer behavior. Is there um, in a given market enough of penetration to where – your system is being used at more than one merchant on a single consumer and you can start to cross tabulate that, you know, the guy gets the pizza, then goes to the movie and then washes the car the next day or what, whatever. And are you learning from that as well? Ah, great question. Absolutely. You know, we're, as we mature as a business, we're starting to see more and more of that. I believe in Denver, um, our licensing in Denver is at about 200 200,000 people opted in. Um, so he's got 200,000 consumers in the, in the Denver market that are opted to do at least one of our loyalty programs. Those are unique users. 
So um, you start to see, I think, I think our stat in Denver is the average consumer there is part of three programs. Um, so we started to see a little crossover. Our right. goal for market penetration is to get the average consumer often into at least six uh, local merchants. Um, so we've got some work to do there, but um, we are starting to see some of that crossover, which is which is very interesting. I love that. So w- one of the so we've kind of talked about how how this got started and and how you're backed. I mean, you're in New York, uh, you know, continuing to build great relationships with the financial folks, and you've got clients, great success stories, but in every really good story, there's a dragon, there's a challenge, there's a conflict. What's the big, what's the big challenge for you guys right now? What are you working hard on as you're looking into 2016? Uh, you know, our, our, our main goal in 2016 is in market penetration. Um, I would say, you know, 2014, uh, was, was mainly about technology 2015 was about licensee uh, growth. Um, we needed more markets uh, where we had licensees for coverage. And uh, 2016, we'll focus on in-market penetration, um, adding more merchants, adding uh, more consumers in, into our network. We grew, I think in, it was January 1, 2015, we were at 3 million consumers. And now we're just over five, so almost double this year. Wow. Uh, which was which was great. We hope to at least do that again next year. Um, so we can be at ten plus million subscribers by by the end of next year, and we'll be pretty happy with uh, our rate of growth. Well, that doesn't sound like a challenge. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity. There's, is there something technically, you know, there there's something that you're just scratching your head and God, if we could just figure this thing out, it would open up. You know, I'm just I'm I'm kind of probing to see what's there's kind of always this big hurdle in front of every business that you just, it's a rock. I just don't know how I'm going to get around. Do you have such a rock? Um, you know, yes and no. The, the, the rock is going to be more, more of an opportunity, really. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of, of this show, you talked about transactions. And we want to start playing a little more in the transaction space. Uh, if you think about it, you know, since everything is happening on mobile, people are buying products on mobile now. They're paying with their mobile phones. They're using Amazon one-click. Um, PayPal launched their new uh, one-click buy option. Yep. So it's getting very easy to actually do commerce on your phone. Um, texting, text messaging proves to be a fantastic first mover in any sort of transaction, including a mobile commerce transaction. So we want to start uh, getting a little more into the transactional side of things where we may encourage uh, the utilization of a, of a mobile payment type. Um, a, you know, Come in and, and buy a pizza if you can't click here to order online, have it delivered to you. Um, so we want to get a little more transactional, a little more mobile-oriented uh, with actually facilitating the transaction um, on the phone. So it's that's more of an opportunity um, than it is a roadblock for us. Our system works pretty well as far as the loyalty and the modeling and the texting and going out. Um, but we feel like we're, we're leaving some money on the table as right. far as uh, um, customer reach and what we can actually ask them to do on their mobile phone. Yeah, figuring out how to get a little taste of uh, every one of those transactions, I would think that that could... Uh, be a huge opportunity for you. You know, I, I got to say, uh, Alex, that uh, 
It's interesting. I'm trying to get you to talk about challenges and conflicts and everyone. It's like, nope, it's an opportunity. You are an entrepreneur, my friend. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's exactly how you answer it. It's no, it's no, it's an opportunity. And what are you talking about? There's no, you know, I love that. So I want to hear about, you know, you, you're a serial entrepreneur. You, you know, you went to Cal Poly, you grew up in San Luis Obispo. Tell me about your very first business. And I want to hear about the very first person who paid you money for something and it hit you that you could make money. What was that? Tell me about that. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll skip past all the lemonade stand and the paper wraps and things like that because I was, I was always hustling as a kid. Um, when I, uh, when I, st I started Cal Poly, I was very broke. I actually lived in my car for a few months. Um, looking for a job. I was working nights. Um, and, and I ended up taking a job, and I was very shy, very, very shy back then. Um, but I did participate in a, a Cal Poly debate team for a while, and it kind of helped me get out of my shell, which was good. Um, I, I, I applied for a job doing uh, some kind of sales. I don't know what it was. Just an ad was sales, limitless opportunity. So I answered the ad, managed to talk my way into the job, and it was uh, for computer CPUs, you know, hardware, things like that. And I was not a computer guy at the time. So I was I was 17 or 18, right? You know, just starting Cal Poly. Um, went to my first day on the job, and there was a desk and a stack of index cards and a phone. The guy said, "You're going to call these people on index cards. You're going to ask them if they need a quote on any computer stuff." And these were like like thirty thousand dollar CPU, like network hardware type wow. stuff. Wow. And I had no idea what I was talking about, <laughs> and I'd never done any sales in my life, and I was terrified. So. I spent eight hours staring at that phone. Didn't make a single call. The first day? Um, oh, my gosh. Dialed a few. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and the phone would ring. Someone would answer about I hang up. I was terrified. It was probably one of the worst days of my life if I think back on it. And so I went home that night, and I thought, well, I'm getting fired tomorrow. This is bad. I'm broke. And no good. Um, so I went to the library. And I had an idea for business. And um, so I went to the library. I didn't have a computer at home, so I went to the library, typed up a, a quick three-page business plan, and uh, went in the next day and said, hey, boss, come talk for a second. Said, yeah, i got to talk to you, too. So we sit down. I said, you're probably going to fire me. And he says, yep. And I said, before you fire me, would you take a look at this? And so I showed him my business plan. And, and what it was, it was an online directory. This is back in the mid-90s where the, the internet was really just starting to get popular and nobody really organized it yet. There was no real Yahoo or Google or any of that yet. So I said, this is a business plan for an online yellow pages for Silicon County. And, uh, and he said, oh, this is interesting. What do you need? I said, I need that desk. I need that phone. And I need 150 a week to help me live on until you know, we get this thing going. And so he became my first investor, basically. And uh, we created a company called City Beat Directories. And this is way, way back. And um, so we built a website. I actually typed in the entire San Luis Obispo County Yellow Pages by hand. Oh, my uh, took God. took me a month because <laughs> we couldn't afford the CD with the data. Um, and, uh, and then started selling ads on it. So we did a, you know, everybody listed Yellow Page model where you pay 20 bucks a month for a mini web page. And we sold everybody in town. It was great. And I ended up growing that business to about 10, 12 people 
Um, I sold my half to my original investor and used that money to start the next business. So uh, that was how I got started in business back when I was about 18 years old. And Alex, that is a fantastic story. So you, you go into your, you get your first job and you, you, you figured it out real quick that day. There's no way I'm going to have a day two. You go to the library, you have an idea, you smelt an opportunity while you were there and you write up a business plan. And I so I love that line before you fire me and you pitch the guy <laughs> and he bites and uh, God, what a great story! Um, f- I I want to I want to just savor that for a second while you tell me how important you think being a member of the debate team has been in your professional career. Oh, huge, huge! I I, I tell everybody. I even tell my to do to really develop a life skill. It's debate. Um, I was very shy, um, but aside from the shy, the the methodologies you learn about how to how to formulate an argument, how to communicate with people, um, your adapt- adaptability to communicate with different kinds of people, um, the, uh, to research and process information, categorize information, um, really best thing I ever did. And um, so I think as as a skill, regardless of what your future holds because the one thing I've learned as an entrepreneur too, is you have no idea what the future holds. <laughs> um, so as, as a general skill set, um, I think that, um, that the Bay program was, was really fantastic. And I encourage everybody to, to do it. It doesn't matter what major you're in or what you're going to do engineer or business major or an art major. I mean, it, it's, it was such a great skill. You know, I, I'm building up a, a database of all of the tips and tricks we've heard on the show, and a debate. this is the first time debate has come up, so I appreciate that. Alex, one of the things that we do on the show that um, our listeners have come to uh, look forward to is the part at the end of the show when we give you the opportunity to name this episode. As a marketer, you can appreciate how important the name is, you know, as I'm scrolling through a list of 50 episodes and I'm trying to figure out which one should I listen to, um, that name is vitally important. So what what should we call your episode, Alex? Mm, that is an interesting question. You know, my, my favorite word in the English language is opportunity, and that's been kind of a theme here you 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 kind of struck it uh uh, you you noticed that um so it it should be it should be something relative to opportunity Uh, how about my favorite word colon opportunity perfect perfect i love it i love it alex thank you so much for taking time off uh and your busy trip to new york city to um to talk with us and uh, share the story uh, your story uh, and and kind of help our listener uh, with uh, just understanding your business and some key bits to what it takes to be successful. I, I really appreciate that so much. I look forward to seeing you in person. I also want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. And I, just, I just love doing the show here and Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect Project 
is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. Uh, if you're interested in, in learning about how you can support uh, our mission, check out 805connect.com and look at the partners page. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode, you could really help us, you individually. Um, we'd love you to um, uh, look ac- look around the room, see if there's a friend of yours who you think would enjoy this episode, and then ask them their, for their phone. And when they give you their phone, look for the podcast app and then go to the search button and type in 805. It will come up first. And then subscribe them. They will thank you for doing that and tell them about the show. There's there's a little bit for everybody there, and that uh, that will help us a lot. And if you are um, so inclined, and as many of you are, uh, go into iTunes and give us a review. Um, that is a huge shot in the arm for us and helps us uh, with our ratings and rankings uh, as other people are looking uh, to check out the show. If you'd like to talk to me personally, uh, send me a note, Mark at 805connect.com. I I get ideas for shows and people I should talk to uh, throughout the region. I deeply appreciate that. Uh, Thank you very much. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.